to Sweet Tea and Strategy, a podcast by Ackerman Marketing and PR, featuring business and community leaders throughout Tennessee, talking about issues and trends of importance to our state and beyond, and sharing some of their very best sweet tea recipes and tea sipping stories. I'm Kathy Ackerman, and we're so pleased to welcome Knoxville Police Department Chief Eve Thomas to our podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate being here. You are so welcome. Uh, let's start by asking you a little bit about sweet tea. Are you a are you a southerner? And if so, did you grow up on sweet tea? Well, actually, funny story to that. I moved to the south from Chicago when I was twelve years old, so many, many, many years ago. Um, as far as my best sweet tea story, it's a, it's a little interesting because um, at that time, at least in, in Chicago, we had never heard of sweet tea. I had never heard of sweet tea. Right. We thought tea was hot. So when we ordered tea and it came cold, it was kind of unusual for us. Um, but I have grown to like it. Unfortunately, as my um, my uh, size expanded, I had to go with unsweet tea. But I do know that my mother-in-law made the very best sweet tea that I have ever had. And she always heated the sugar to a liquid first. And yes. Best way to do it. <laughs> my husband and I bought one of the uh, Mr. Coffee hot tea or the iced tea makers. And, and we've used that in the past. And, and we still use that occasionally for my sons. But yes, that's my sweet tea story. I love it. Yeah. So even though you're from Chicago, you've grown to like sweet tea and even have a something to make it with. So that's good. Um, okay, so thanks for indulging us in that brief intro. And we want to now turn to your challenging but hopefully very rewarding job as chief of police here in Knoxville. Um, first of all, how long have you been a law enforcement officer and how did you get started in this career? What really brought you to it? Actually, I, as of yesterday, 28 years I have wow. been. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I've actually been with the Knoxville Police Department all 28 years. Yes. Um, so I learned everything that I that I bring to the table uh, as part of the career I started here. Um, prior to that, I was actually in retail management for about 10 years. Yes. Um, so it, it was quite a change. Um, it was um, uh, almost on a whim. My brother uh, had wanted to become a Knoxville Police Department officer and asked me to go with him. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of interesting. I'm going to go apply too. And I got on and he didn't. Oh. I knew immediately it was my niche. It was just, uh, you know, was, there are so many different directions, so many ways to help people. Um, I have a bachelor's in psychology, mm-hmm. um, Homeland Security, that I, I got my master's while employed here at the PD. But um, it just became something I had such a passion for. I, I never envisioned myself being in the position I'm in now, uh-huh. but it was. it's just been such a rewarding career. Right. And such a natural progression for you, it seems like. So what are the most significant changes that you've seen? And there no doubt have been so many over the past few years, both in terms of your overall department and in the ways in which you manage things. What, what are the big changes there? Well, as far as the department, I've been through, I am the actual, the fourth chief in my career. Um, we started with Chief Phil Keith, who hired me, and uh, he's a great visionary. Um, he had wrote a document uh, that, that went 10 years beyond where we were. Um, he got us involved in, in accreditation through CALEA, the Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Agencies, which we are still involved in today, which mm-hmm. has been a huge help to us. Um, he was uh, the chief for the majority of my career until 2004. And then we had uh, Chief Sterling on IV. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, just taught me how to be a real people person. 
um, really an understanding of people and their issues. So you get that combination of those two leaders. I really learned a lot uh, from those combination. And then my third chief was Chief David Roush, who was actually in my recruit class. So I knew him all along. Yes. Um, and he is now our TBI director. Right. So I still have a good relationship with him. In fact, he visits quite often. He was here uh, just last Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's been really good. So I have I have gained a lot through the through the progression in my ladder up mm-hmm. in my career, just from the leaders who have led the department. Yes, you've had some great mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, how large, by the way, is the Knoxville Police Department in terms of personnel and budget? So we are authorized to 416 um, officers, sworn officers, and about 110 civilian. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of people to keep track of. It uh, certainly right, is. Yeah, right it's now, we actually have about 366 sworn as of today. So yes. we're, we're working on improving that. Yes. Uh, we well know. <laughs> and so yes. Yes. Uh, that's 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 quite a quite a uh, feat. But uh, we have a budget of about $56 million, $56 million. Most of that is taken up with our personnel expense. I bet. I bet. Well, in many police departments, uh, ours included, as you've just alluded to, have struggled to recruit enough officers in the past few years. Why is that? And what strategies are you employing in particular to try to help with that recruitment effort? Well, I think over the years, you know, what we've always found, at least through my career, is when the economy is bad and things are hurting, uh, people gravitate towards police work because it is a very steady job. Uh-huh. It's a low to moderate income job, but it's it's always here. So, um, you know, as far as high paying jobs, when the economy is really good, people gravitate away from that. But what I have found here recently in the past four to five years, as it's been difficult for us to hire, is that even though we have a smaller pool of applicants, uh-huh. what we're finding is that at least in the last two classes, they give me great hope because these are people who truly have a heart to serve. They are here for the right reasons and they're here to stay, I believe. That's I hope. great. Uh, so that has really given me great hope, even though, you know, like I, as I said, our, our pool of applicants is, is uh, quite a bit smaller and we're working on improving that. But I, I saw this quote somewhere and I really liked it. It said, we need intelligent, diverse, and motivated officers who are willing to risk their own safety while also learning from their mistakes. Perfect. It's important to realize that we, we do make mistakes and, and we try to minimize those mistakes through training and experience uh, and leadership, but, but we do make some. What type of job candidates are you seeking? Are they uh, you know, in what categories does the work fall if people are, are thinking about changing careers? Well, I think you need to have a genuine interest in, in, in helping people and assisting people, you know, wanting to improve your community, the place you live. And it, it doesn't even have to be your very own community, your neighborhood. Uh-huh. Uh, I spend most of my time in the Knoxville community, even though I don't live within the city. So I have a great passion for being here and making this, this the place that I want to see to live, work and play. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, my son goes to UT, so I have a, a, you know, a passion for this area, but you want, you've got to make, want to make that piece of, of, of your existence and where you are working a better place. Uh-huh. So is Knoxville able to be competitive in terms of reaching out to and attracting top candidates nationally? And, and how does our, our high quality of life that we talk about a lot in terms of economic development circles, how does that contribute to your job in terms of attracting people to come here who may not know anything about Knoxville. So, and, and, and 
you have assisted us with this and 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 made us a, a lot more marketable in in the area. Things we already knew, we're actually putting into practice now, and able to reach a larger audience. But Knoxville is a great place. We have great outdoors. We have you know great leadership in the community. We have things to do within the city. We're we're developing. We're thriving, um, and so we're able to count on that. We have a great support for the police department within our community and policing in general. And so, you know, one of the, the, the areas we're reaching out to is law enforcement agencies, uh, law enforcement officers from across the country who might want to come here and raise a family. Right. So, you know, we realize now that when I was hired 28 years ago, if you didn't say, I want to retire with the Knoxville Police Department, you probably weren't looked at very hard. But in my, in my class of 35, there were over 1,200 applicants. So it's a little bit different now. And we also realize that the younger generation now, they move around a lot. They, they don't envision themselves staying in one place for very long. But yes, with Knoxville being such a great place to live, we figure if we can get them to say, hey, five to seven years and they get here, or, or even if they live here, they get a solid job, they start raising a family, they're not gonna wanna move someplace else for just a little bit more money. Yeah. And I think that's true of a lot of businesses, ours included. You know, if we can get people from larger metropolitan areas to actually come here and experience the quality of life, they usually don't want to leave. And, you know, we've seen that with some of the larger companies who have come to Knoxville, you know, Scripps Network and before that Whittle Communications and, you know, World's Fair even way back when, where people came here thinking, what, what is Knoxville exactly? And even after the job that they came for was gone, they stayed and figured out other things to do. So I do think that that's the experience of Knoxville firsthand is, is a good one. Um, how have high profile events of the past year that have affected police officers and their image, if you will, affected the Knoxville Police Department? Have you had to spend uh, more time on crisis management than you used to? Or what that whole world of high visibility? that police officers are in right now, how does that impact us here? Well, what we have learned is that one incident, 1,200 miles away, when we talk about Minneapolis, has painted a broad brush across all of law enforcement. Right. Um, as well it should, but you have, you know, in the United States, you have over 80,000 law enforcement agencies, over, uh, or I'm sorry, over 18,000, over 800,000 law enforcement officers. So the potential for somebody to make a misstep or an agency to hire somebody who is not a good fit for this career is, right. is astronomical. Uh, and we try and mitigate that with our practices. So yes, we have spent time you know, doing crisis management, but part of that has been um, battling perception. Uh -huh. and the, 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 our community's perception of us is what they want it to be. So right. we, we have adjusted some of our policies. We look at took a hard look at our use of force policy, and, and you know, even though we never had chokeholds, we took out what's called the lateral vascular neck restraint because it it we realized the image of an officer with an arm around somebody's neck, even though this was a very effective, uh, less lethal response, was not good. Not what our community wanted. Right. There has been a lot of positive change as far as having that dialogue and, and really hearing what's important to our community and trying to uh, adjust the way we do our business so that we are what the community wants. Well, that's so critical these days. I, I applaud you for taking that into consideration in terms of how you manage the department. Do you have any predictions for how police officers' jobs may morph or change over the next couple of years and what forward-thinking police departments are doing perhaps to prepare for that? 
I think you're going to see technology playing a huge part. And, and, you know, we always talk about, you know, at least in government, we lag behind a little bit in, in the technology sector. So those are a few things that we're looking at as we move toward the future and, and things that we want to see. You know, we want to have in some cities have this, but we want to have a multi-agency, uh, what's called a real-time crime center. Uh, we can take this video and we can take all these stats and hotspot policing and all these computer al algorithms and share them, not only use them for, for our agency, but share them with the county and with 911 and, you know, anybody else who wants them. Uh, there's a lot of initiatives, you know, there are fusion centers, but there's a governor's initiative to where we can share all of our data with any agency in Tennessee, because, you know, our, our people who commit crimes don't stay in one area. Exactly. And they're not conscious of county lines. Exactly. And yes. the more information we can share and provide to others and, and receive, the, the better off our community is going to be. And of course, healthcare has moved in that direction in terms of being able to share patient health information that's critical with each other. So, yes, I think that technology will probably play a huge role in, in terms of where you move. Uh, as a female police officer, police chief, uh, which I assume puts you in a minority of law enforcement leaders, what kind of challenges have you faced as your career has progressed as, as a female in a, in a pretty male-dominated um, arena? Well, you know, I, I knew this coming in. So I think, you know, that I was kind of prepared for that. Just, just uh, I have two brothers. Um, right now in my family, I've got a husband, two sons, and all of our animals, three cats and a dog, are male. So I've kind there of been grounded with that. <laughs> Um, I learned to, to do that. The only thing that I can ever think that was kind of really just graded on me was I, I was I had put in for a school. I wanted something I wanted to do when early on in my career. And we were sending two officers to the school and they had picked a male officer and I couldn't go because we couldn't we couldn't get two hotel rooms. And I thought that is just oh, not, my goodness. right. It's this. But, you know, that's a minor thing in the broad scheme of things. Um you know, it has been a great ride. I think it, through my career, and I, I, I credit the female officers who have gone before me, um, I've been accepted. I think uh, moving up the ladder within my own department, uh, officers know what to expect from me. They know how I work. I don't have to prove anything to anybody, which has been uh, huge. I can't imagine going to another agency and having to start with people who don't know me. Uh, that has been a, a great benefit to me. Um, but so what it, advice would you give to, to women who are seeking careers and advancement in, in typically non-traditional roles for women? Is there any, any great advice that you can, you can give them? I think just hang in there and, and talk to those before you. And, and we have a responsibility to reach back and pull others up as, as women. Uh, you know, I just participated in a women in criminal justice uh, conference, uh, one day conference, um, for here in Tennessee, for female officers here in Tennessee. And, you know, we talk to each other and, and you know, child child care, raising children, having children. I had two children while employed as an officer. Um, it's a whole different ball game, a whole set of, of things that our, our male counterparts don't have to deal with. Right. But it can be done. And I think when we talk to each other and, and we build each other up, that's huge. And I think females in general don't have that. And we try and foster that within the police department. We're more cutthroat with each other. And, and that's, that's kind of sad, but we have, um, we're trying to, within the police department, you know, we have our female locker room talks and, and things like that. So That's great. Uh, finally, what do you like best about your job? All the many things that you do within your job, what's your, what is your favorite? I think, I, you know, I have to say all the people I get to meet. And, uh -huh. and unfortunately, some of them I meet on their worst day. 
Um, but getting to know perspectives and what is going on in other people's lives helps us to, to as, we, as we police, it helps us to understand, you know, how to do this better. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, that is of great personal value to me, and I, I tell my recruits this all the time, is we touch people in ways that we may never know. I, I tell them a story that I had where I was at a car wash, I think as a lieutenant waiting there for my car. And I had a young man run up to me and he recounted a story on a call that I had completely forgotten about. And he said, you changed my life. Here I am now, I'm going to college and I'm doing so much better. And, and so I always tell our recruits that, you know, you'll be on a routine call and you have the ability to change someone's life. So you always need to take the time and, and, and do what you need to do because you never know, you know what changes you can make in this profession because we touch so many people. Well, that's, that's a great story to hear and to share. Uh, so I assume that you are now a permanent Knoxvillian. You've been here a long time. You're at the top of your career, if you will, in terms of having a a wonderful uh, position. And it sounds like you are totally bought into East Tennessee. I have, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Enjoy it here. Don't want to go anywhere else. I am, this is where I will uh, remain and retire. Yes. So, Chief Thomas, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered that you'd like to, to throw out there for our listeners? Well, of course, I want to do my my recruitment spiel, and 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 right. you know anybody who has an interest in policing or just wants to come see what we do, uh, please think about it. Uh, we have a Citizens Police Academy. We hope to start maybe late spring or summer because of COVID. We haven't been able to do that. So if you want to participate in the police department that way, that's a, that's huge to us to have those ambassadors out in the in the city. Uh, speaking for us about what we do and how we do it. And the other thing is we're getting ready to start a volunteer program uh, and really a robust volunteer program. So, you know, we want we want people to come join us and help us do what we need to do. And again, be a voice for us because they know what we do and how we do it and help make us better. Mm-hmm. So that's my, I, I, if I could get that out there, I appreciate it. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being our guest on Sweet Tea and Strategy. We appreciate your good work and certainly your commitment to our community here in Knoxville in terms of helping to make it a better place and a safer place. And we just thank you for sharing a little bit about your organization and the critical role that it plays for all of us in in this area. So thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciated the opportunity and had a great time. Thank you. 